Explore Beyond the Stratosphere in Museum of the Bible's compelling exhibition, Scripture and Science, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place, in Washington, D.C., open now through January 15th. Featuring artifacts from trailblazers in history like Isaac Newton, Nicholas Copernicus, and hidden figures like Dorothy Vaughn, this exhibit guides you through groundbreaking discoveries and thought-provoking questions. Come and see how Scripture and Science have shaped our world. Get your tickets today at museumofthebible.org. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Wolves Fancast. Richard Hobbs here and joining me today, we've got Gully. Hi guys. We've got Luke. How you doing guys, you right. And we've got Stu. Hello everyone. So as you've probably seen from the well, title of this podcast, um, today's episode is about racism in football. So following the booing of the taking the knee at Millwall recently and as well as the incident involving a fourth official um, in the PSG Bashik Shahir game, there we go. Uh, we're discussing in the um, fancast group chat essentially the impact of racism across all levels of football because it's not just at the top level, it goes right down the footballing pyramid, whether it's from subtle indirect language to obscene abuse. I think across the fancast, and I, I speak for hopefully. Uh, for most of us on this one, we've always prided ourselves on actually discussing discussing some of the bigger issues around the game um, that, you know, we all take great pride and truly love talking about and watching as well. Luke and Gully have, have been sort of really insightful on this topic. And, you know, we've talked about having the opportunity to have an active discussion around this, which isn't really openly discussed as much as it probably should be. It's been quite difficult to have these discussions offline, in person, where you can actually have a back and forth with someone where it's not limited to a group chat or some or having to summarise your points in a limited number of characters. So we thought that the best way to actually have an actual discussion about it would be to have an actual discussion about it. There are many ways racism impacts football, and we'll try and touch on a few of them today. Um, but we're going to try and frame today's show and discussion around the two incidents we've just talked about. Um, so the taking the knee... Um, booing and also the um, fourth official PSG game um, and also some of the rhetoric around it and touch on topics from there. So we're going to start with the um, incident that happened at Millwall a couple of weeks ago now. For those unfamiliar, before the game, both the Millwall and Derby players both took the knee um, in solidarity and a section of Millwall uh, supporters started to boo those actions there's been sort of quite wide condemnation um from lots of fan groups regarding it but i i guess i'll sort of pass over to luke first just to kind of give your initial reactions around it really and um, my initial reaction to that was <clears throat> one of frustration um because obviously you get the booing and then the initial reaction is great debate on social media which in my opinion isn't the best place to discuss racism because a lot of things get misconstrued, um, things get taken out of context. But what sort of hit home the most was how all of a sudden a, a, a large proportion of people became experts in, in Marxism, um, <laughs> which for me for me was, was a bit bizarre as, you know, I said, I've never heard the word Marxism so much in my life um, until it became a defensive point of, as to why they actually booed the players for taking Especially the Especially around championship football. 
Yeah, I never, I never knew. Um, football fans were so in touch with with car barks. So, do you know? Did, but, did Wallace has a poster of him up in his bedroom? But with that being said, <laughs> um, I'm not going to mock it. I'm not going to disregard it because, unfortunately, in my opinion, BLM has, has brought politics into the movement, which. <clears throat> I don't think it was the right thing to do because it allows the other side of the argument, doesn't it? So I was frustrated in the sense that people just didn't take ownership as to why there was booing. Because let's be honest, not everybody who was there out of the 2000 was booing because of the political element of BLM. When BLM first came about, obviously what happened in the summer happened in the summer arguments from both sides of the camp but for me I just felt people should just be a bit more honest and a bit more open and say you know what I booed because I'm a racist or I have racist views instead of hiding behind the Marxism argument because me personally I just I just feel with with any any opinion or any thought own own it own your thoughts own your opinion don't hide behind something you know, just because it, it might it might be unpopular if you if your actual view is is aired. So, so yeah, it was frustrating because it was it's hard to it, I felt it hard to have the debate because we we want to discuss racism in football and the issues that that people face through racism in football, but we ended up just having a conversation about politics. And I think it just completely watered everything down. And it, it just, for me, it just took away the, the true meaning of what the knee represents. Um, I do understand there is a political side of it, which I personally don't agree with. Um, because for me, it shouldn't be about politics. It should be about fair and equal treatment for people, footballers, chefs, whatever regardless of, of skin colour. Yeah, I, I was going to say, sort of, you touched upon something quite um, poignant there in terms of sort of, I, I guess the message being misunderstood um, to quite a degree. I mean, Gully, sort of, how, I guess, how, how did you sort of feel, um, I guess, from sort of what Luke's saying, was that sort of similar sort of mindset to yourself? Yeah, I, I mean... Initially, it was just about. This isn't a football thing for me, really. For a start, it's it, it's just it's a it's a community, it's a societal thing. And the frustration for me was that we're all looking forward to football fans getting back into grounds and stadiums and, and having a natural atmosphere. I'm sick and tired of crowd noise um, around, you know, broadcasts and stuff these days. And um, at the first opportunity fans decided to let themselves down and I I consider myself part of that group. I am a football fan and ultimately it reflects bad on every single one of us that people have behaved in that way. Absolutely it does. And, you know, we can, we can, and we know that football fans do get um, maligned in the media and there's a, you know, they, they can be kind of got at in terms of, you know, their behaviour on public transport and all this kind of stuff that, that you know, is a bit unjust, but there's no hiding place there. That was totally and utterly shameful. The way that people 
managed to take something that is really you know fundamentally something you can't disagree with fundamentally is it is totally inarguable that equality which is what the knee uh, taking the knee stands for you know something that isn't something that we want in our society that and that's fundamentally what they've done that is that is how they've framed the booing you can talk about marxist ideology and there's there's things like people talking about defunding the police and and all these things that black lives matter have done to suggested that they, they would do if they were a, a political party in power and whatnot but the way i see it is there are a number of political parties out there and they, they all have a fundamental stance on how they would govern a country now if the basis of black lives matter is quite simply they want equal rights for all people and one of their policies might be the case that they want to defund the police. Just as an example, total hypothetical situation here. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily championing that cause. What is wrong with that? You know, if I'm a socialist, yeah, and I, and I vote Labour, I don't agree with every single policy that they throw at me. But fundamentally, I'm a socialist and that is why I support them. I am a champion of equality. That is why taking the knee even if it is under the umbrella of Black Lives Matter and, a, and some kind of perceived political movement, that is why we should all be supporting it because that is the fundamental basis of what it stands for. Yeah, and I guess uh, from my perspective, um, in terms of, I guess, what I do in that situation, if I, you know, what was it, 2,000 fans were allowed in? And by... by <laughs> say football fans can get a bad rap at the best of times and it just happened to be Millwall and it's so can you imagine like Millwall have done fair play to them in the past 15 years they've done lots in the community to try and change their reputation which has not exactly been golden over the past 40-50 years and for it to be our first game back you say for that group of fans and I say Make sure I mention this as well. It was not all 2,000 fans, but it was a distinct coordinated number. And it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, for, from my perspective, as, you know, for, for me, it, it, the taking the knee, it, it's in solidarity. For Everyone should have equal rights. And I, I'd be gobsmacked to find people who don't share that pretty core value. And as we're kind of doing today in terms of trying to just have a discussion about sort of some of the different aspects um, of the situation, I don't, I almost can't quite comprehend it, but I just feel awkward if I was one of those 2000 and, you know, the bloke seven rows down from you is booing his head off. I mean, Stu, you, you go to Wolves games home and away. Um, well, when, when we could, I, I guess if you were sort of in the stands yourself, and, and something like that happened, how, how would it make you feel? Well, you'd react. I mean, I've thankfully with Wolves, I've only known it twice ever when someone's been racially abused a player in, in the Wolves' end. Um, and every time, it's not just been me, they've always been shouted down straight away. And credit to Wolves and Wolves fans for that because that's, I mean, that's just from my, my I mean, I've, like you said, I go everywhere and I've never, ever heard it apart from twice. So, and I think, like you said, credit to Millwall as a club, but Millwall fans are a fucking disgrace, and they always have been. And four years ago, was it four, five years ago, 
we went there and um, Brighton and Lucari came on the pitch and they all, it wasn't just a few of them, it was about, I'll say about a thousand of them in that corner by the, by the big screen opposite the camera and they all started chanting, you're only here for the chicken, at him, clear as day. And so I went on Twitter later on that day. I mean, Luke remembers this as well because he had my back for it. And I got I got dogs abuse for weeks on end. And they were all it was the same thing. They're all trying to cover their ass. He said, "Oh no, it's it's because of the, the chicken shops." No, it wasn't. Just just own the message. Just own what you are. There's no point trying to get away from it. We know that it, it, it was just a coincidence that the blackest guy on our, our squad at the time comes onto the pitch and you start chanting that. And it was. I mean, we were just looking at each other. Is this actually happening? Because it was just shocking. And it was absolutely no surprise whatsoever that it was Millwall who did it again. And has anyone else done it since? No, they haven't. And when in the trial games as well beforehand. Um, and in the, in the well, summer down period, I suppose, what, two weeks it was. And yeah, it was down at Brighton. And ever since, everyone's clapped, clapped it. I mean, yeah, to start with, it was about Black Lives Matter because of what happened in the first place, which is obviously you're going to accept that. But as soon as the political things started getting involved and you think, oh, okay, you're kind of devaluing this now. But at the start of this season, when they came out and they started saying that taking the knee is for everyone, and it's for equality for all, well, there's your message. You don't, you, how can you possibly boo that then? It's not, they've already said, they've already distanced itself from any political party whatsoever and said it's about equality. Yeah, you, know, you take the knee for anyone. I mean, me being a, a, a white, bald, white man. <laughs> and then you, people on all, this call. All people get a lot of abuse, to be fair, Steve. So, you know, we're, exactly. we're with you as well. well you we get dogs abused in the fan <laughs> cast group. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, exactly. I mean, some of it is very libelous, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but there's, uh, that's the point. If taking the knee is now for everyone, then what's the fucking problem? It's but if you white, Asian, black, mixed race, I do what you want. If you well, at the minute the rainbow laces stuff, how is that a problem? Why is that a problem? It doesn't matter. I mean, I'll be brutally honest. I forgot the players were still taking the knee until the Millwall incident because it's that it's that sort of it's just a snapshot now, isn't it? Blow the whistle, yeah. five seconds, and they're up now. Whether you agree or disagree with the knee or not, is it causing you that much harm that you feel the need to express yourself in such a way? It's literally it's five seconds. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone else, but I honestly, I, I thought this would, they'd stop doing it. I honestly thought they'd stop doing it until all this hoo-ha came about with Millwall. And <laughs> this might sound strange now, but just the way that they booed, it was like they'd waited. They couldn't yeah, wait. Coordinated. Yeah. It was yeah. like, oh, have moments here now. Come on, let's boo and let's let's show our let's make a point that we don't agree with it. But at the same time, if you don't agree with it, why can't you just for five seconds just just stand there? And if people want to bring <laughs> politics into it, if people want to bring politics into it, politics is everywhere. So, because there's only 2,000 fans in the ground, shall we boo the Conservative, conservative <laughs> Party? Because it's the Conservative Party that, are, that are, that's, that's the reason why there's only 2,000 fans in the ground. If, if we ever go into Tier 2, and I'm fortunate enough to go 
to a Wolves game and I see people wearing masks, do I boo them? Because that's a political stance. If you really want to deep it, it's a political stance. Wearing a mask is a political stance made by the Conservative Party. So shall we go and boo that as well? No, we won't. Because we're not fucking brain dead, are we? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, you can argue, like, what I'm trying to say is you can argue it's political. I can't take that away from anybody because you can. Um, but is there any need to? Because if you really deep in, everything is political. I mean, you look at it and you think, if, like you just said, if that is your motivation, then you wouldn't just be doing it for taking the knee, would you? You'd be doing it, you'd be all over the place, you'd be on social media, you'd be campaigning everywhere. Yeah, of course you would. And for, it's going back to the fact that it's just them again. And it, but then you go online and you look at the reports and you go down the list. I mean, pretty much every single person who was saying, oh, well done Millwall, had a little avatar that wasn't their own face. You think, oh, were well, you hiding behind? We know your yeah. game. Yeah. It, pretty much, I mean, yeah, there was the odd one, which again, fair play, you're owning your message. You might be um, censored, but you might, <laughs> you're still owning it. You're, you're not trying to say it's something else. But the vast majority of them were silenced again. And they were, they were hiding behind a picture of uh, Mark Noble in West Ham's case. <laughs> and not Mark Noble's racist, just get that clear. Um, and it was, it was the usual suspects, the ones you expect. It was West Ham, it was Chelsea. And you think, oh, come on, lads. I mean, it's interesting for it, it's an instant. I get we're going to talk about two, and I'm going to bring up another one. But um, at the start of Project Restart, when that plane went over Turf Moor, was it? And oh, it, had, it was over it the Etihad. Etihad, yeah. uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. and it said all lives matter. And again, it of course they do. Yeah, yeah and it, it's it's so it's so frustrating in a way. Um, because again, you know, Burnley as a community gets tainted with, you know, it's it's with a brushstroke for the actions of a few dictate that, you know, it has the impact on so many. I say, however many fans, I don't know, bought that banner or paid for it to fly over, it impacts, say, Burnley, Burnley fans, the Burnley community and the football community all in one fell swoop. Yeah, and, and you know, you know what? The other thing it does, Rich, is it. It just when you take a hard stance on anything, what you're going to get a hard reaction as well, and it just creates an even bigger divide between whichever side of the argument you're on, and that's that's not going to do anybody any good. Um, you know, there's actions from people um, on the what I would consider the right side of the Black Lives Matter debate, um, which are often deplorable as well. They're probably you know acting a way that isn't isn't becoming of people who are standing by that message but that whether it's a reaction to to the way and and to be fair that reacting in a certain way based on racial hatred and racial oppression that has gone on over you know a, a hell of a long time over the history maybe there's a, a a sense of well you can understand there's a lot of feeling behind some some of these reactions and stuff but Whichever way you look at it, it, it's not healthy for anybody. Oh, and, you know, I think Luke touched upon it. You don't, there aren't two ways to react to a situation. You say, if you're taking a hard stance <laughs> on something, it doesn't mean that if you don't either 
I understand the message or B, 100% agree with it. And I'm not saying that's okay, but if there are aspects about the argument that you're not kind of quite settled on in terms of, let's say, the Black Lives Matter movement, and you know what? If you don't agree with 100% of it, you know, particularly, let's say, around defunding the police, for example, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to take the complete polar opposite side of the argument. It is not a binary choice whether to agree or disagree. And it does feel quite a lot in society at the moment that, you know, it has to be so partisan. And it's a big thing with football as well, isn't it? Which, you know, it's kind of what we're encapsulating this in that everything's so driven to be it's us against them. It's, you know, if I don't like, if, if you like it, we can't like it. And that's not the way, you know, personally, anyway, I think a society should be ran. And I've got, you know, more thoughts on that, you know, in terms of, let's say, you know, things like how they do bloody prime minister's questions times or in, you know, parliament where we literally have one side of the argument, one side, one side, the other. And I'm just like, that, that shouldn't be how we run because, Anytime Labour puts something forward, Conservatives have to hate it when it's the opposite way around. And, you know, for fundamental issues and, you know, you look at the work that Marcus Rashford's done this year um, in terms of sort of championing, um, you know, free school meals for, you know, underprivileged children. And you just go, just a bit of common sense. Actually, if you mix people up, and it's not just a, you know, us versus them. I feel that a lot of the arguments would, you know, at least be discussed a bit more openly. And, you know, it's been interesting sort of looking at, particularly around the, uh, uh, the, I guess, the Millwall incident on social media more. And I think as, we've, as Luke said, not heard the term Marxism around footballism, about football quite as much as, um, I did a couple of weekends ago, especially from people who probably don't have degrees in political science. Um, <laughs> if, if you want my honest opinion, um, we could do a whole podcast on our own about um, racism, football and social media. Um, but I guess sort of to briefly touch upon it, it's so, I wouldn't quite call it prevalent, but it's so easy to hide behind that avatar. Um, yeah a lot of the time and to be faceless and, you know, not be held accountable a lot of times for the things that you say, or even if you don't believe in them. I mean, when I, when I rejoined, when I rejoined Twitter, after my account was stolen, I literally put Stu J4Z being my block and row number. So come, someone can come and find me if they want to talk to me. It's, it's <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm less. I'm so transparent that you can literally find where I sit at Molyneux if you want to argue with me that much about football. Well, you're sitting right. there at the moment. I used to. <laughs> Don't let me cry. <laughs> you know what? I, I had a balty pie in nine months, and I'm getting withdrawal. Oh, I've even tried to find them everywhere, and I even tried both chippies near me, and neither of them are good enough. They're not the same. What what company makes the balty pies at the Molyneux? It's still no, Aww. it used to be a company called Football Famous, which only do football grounds, obviously. And they, um, ate, they ate proper Indian, though, are they? Have they no. got a website? Like <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the, the one at the pool, I've had one at the pool A's before, um, and I've had one at the Village Inn, and they're, they're all right, but they're not 
It's not they're not modern you. No. They're not modern you. But um, just t- touching back on what you're saying, like when, when people... Uh, 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 sorry, are we going to sort of talk more about social media and racism on social media later? Um, or, we, or are we mixing into that now? We'll, we'll mix in, we'll mix in. So, I mean, <laughs> from my point of view, one of the most frustrating things is when people are so openly, blatantly racist on social media, hiding behind an account. Because, again, I, I just firmly believe if you if you really think something, only show your face. Mm-hmm. Let everybody know who you are. Don't be a coward. Because if I believe in something, I'm going to say it and I'm going to let you know. Like, I cannot stand the cowardness that social media has allowed people to to hide behind. And <laughs> we, we, obviously, we, we discussed um, the Millwall and the booing of the knee and et cetera, et cetera. But for me, the racism on social media, it's, it's bizarre because in actual real life, I feel like racism isn't half as bad as what it used to be. And I, I do feel like we've made good progress in the real world in terms of racism and, and racial issues and equality. But when it comes to online, I, I think it's absolutely disgusting, the things that people are allowed to get away with. And I was reading something only today, <coughs> and Twitch have banned the words simp, virgin, and something else. But you've got all the racial slurs. I'm not, I don't even need to say them. We all know what they are. All the racial slurs are under the sun, but they're still allowing that. Like, how is that right? Like, What's no it? disrespect to simps or virgins, but let's be honest, I think issues around racism are a bit more, need addressing a bit more than issues around not sleeping with somebody for the first time. But like you've got companies like Twitch, they're a massive, massive company who can actually make a difference, but they're choosing not to. Why? You know, Why? the biggest... If, if I'm owning Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, whatever it may be, the the words... I'm not looking to censor the word virgin and simp. I'd be looking to censor, you know, stronger racial terms as, as a starting point. Um, so I just don't understand it. And racism on social... I could talk about it all day because it just absolutely blows my mind. But I'm going to give somebody else the opportunity to talk for a minute. Yeah. The best thing is that they always say when, when this is brought up to them and they say, oh, it's, it's too difficult to police. Yeah. Like they, like they haven't got algorithms that can just get it in a second. Yeah. Straight away. Yeah. But what it, what does simp mean? You're dealing with the kids. We, we were all like looking into the heavens. Is it, is it short for simple? As in like a, a derogatory term for someone who's a bit... No, it's... Maybe somewhere. not as well educated or what? Um, you know what? The fellow really really that can... Um, uh, according oh, to the dictionary, sim- yeah, go on, sim- Luke. Is a slang insult for men who are seen as too attentive and submissive to women, especially out of a false hope of winning some entitled sexual attention or activity from them. Translation The word simp is meant to troll young men for doing anything for a girl to get some action he supposedly deserves. So, a beg, basically, <laughs> yeah. So that so that's worse than racism. According to Twitch, like, I, 
to me, that just baffles my mind. I mean, mind. You, you bring yeah. me a bloke who hasn't hasn't been a sip in their life. To be <laughs> I was going to say, um, you're thinking I'm sure that we've all been in cheeky monkeys or Atlantis back in the day. It's coming to I am. <laughs> I was going to say that's way before my time, Luke. You are aging. You, um, I guess it, we'll go for Oceana for, for me yeah, and Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk about, I guess. You know what? I'm not that old. I know the grind store. I've been to the grind store. So I've been <laughs> to the grind store and, um, just just to go back to the to the social media and, and kind of the facelessness of all these people. I think what two things on that. Firstly, when you don't have that kind of human profile, your name. You, your photo of you, it kind of dehumanizes you and i think when you've done that legitimizes you behaving in a below less than human manner i think essentially and that's what people are doing when you know you've got wilfred zaha getting dms from you know whoever with all the the racial slurs that he was receiving or, you know all the really direct hatred that you know literally people are picking out individuals and saying these things, treating them like as less than human, but kind of it manifests itself by them being that way. Like I say, that there's no, there's nothing human about their profiles or anything like that. And it just legitimizes that a little bit. Um, and the other thing I think as well, when, when you've not got your, your profile, your name or any kind of identification associated with your, your profile, I think it stops people from being able to kind of, help you and bring you along because some people just need they need to go on a bit of a journey a bit of an education and you can't have a conversation with you know you know throwing a a random twitter handle with like 12 numbers behind it um because in essence that's not a human being You're, you're not talking to a person there you can't educate that person because that is not a person that you are talking to they're just throwing out as much slander as they possibly can that they can get away with which they can't do in real life. And to be honest, Luke, when the point you make, made about how we've made progress and whatnot, the easy stuff is stopping people from doing the, the overt, you know, racial hatred. You know, they're calling you a packy in the street. They're mm-hmm. calling you all this kind of stuff. That's the easy stuff to stop. It's the, you know, crossing the road when a black man's on your side of the oh, street, that kind of thing. But, 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 it's, but that's, that's, that's easy. You know, you can manage that. It's the rest of it that's the problem. It's the being overlooked for a job. It's the, um, you know, someone just kind of, you know, clutching their bit tighter as they walk past you. Like little things like that that are totally unnoticeable, but are just in people's heads and you cannot, cannot possibly um, kind of, like you say, police or, or um, you know, make it obvious that this is the way that they are, they dictate, that dictates their own behaviour. I mean, I did. We did touch earlier. We didn't want to delve too much into personal experiences. But another thing that annoys me is, you know, you, you have these open debates, and you mentioned stuff like, like for example, me being a mixed race male, um, I like to wear a tracksuit. I'll, I'll, I'll put my hood up if it's cold. But it's just the little things like, you know, if I go in a shop, I'll take my hood off, just because I know for a fact. Well, not for a fact, because it doesn't happen every time, but. I know there's a high probability if I walk in the shop with my hood up, my night tracksuit, night trainers, I'm being I'm being hawk eyed round that. And shop. you're wearing a mask now as well in yeah. that shop. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. like I am being watched. Like you said, you walk yeah. past the old lady. And one thing that I always do if I walk past the old person, I always smile. 
just always smile because I'm not saying every single old person thinks a certain way, but I'll, at least 25% will think, oh, oh, is he going to mug me? Is he going to mug me? And, one, and what annoys me the most about that is when you try and have these conversations with people and people try and tell you that that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. That, that isn't a problem no more. You know the worst you know, thing about that, honestly, Luke? Mugging someone must be, take a lot of effort, man. Like you gotta run away after and shit. Like who exactly. can we do anything like that? Honestly, like, yeah. running nowhere, for no one. Even nah, that's what I've been mean. like. Unconscious. Yes. Yeah. Subconscious racism. Yeah. That is something that. That's the that's the real challenge, and that's the real task because, that is still alive and kicking, and to the people who have tried to make me feel like it doesn't exist anymore, I just want to say fuck you. Because it fucking does. You know what I mean? It actually does. And it's so annoying. Like, it's yep. so frustrating. My, um, you said about the old people then. Um, my, my granddad, like, for example. I mean, he was, well, he's been there like five years now. But we, he was 89 when he died. And for the last like, six, seven years of his life, he had to have carers. And he didn't mean anything that he was going to say. But obviously being born in the twenties, certain things that he was going to, that he said when I was there with him and I was looking, what are you doing? You can't say that. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I don't mean anything by it. You can't say that. You can't say. I mean, like even, but like, even I was going to say, even my nan, I remember a num. this would have been a good 10 years ago now. Um, weirdly talking about the England national team. She went, well, not many of them are actually English anymore. <laughs> and yeah, but it's but she probably she you know do you know what I mean? It, it's it's little things even let's say like around I know someone like Raheem Sterling, uh, you know, because he is someone who you know consciously and very unconscious racism indirect. It you can see how it hits him different to a lot of other players, same as Sahar as well. And you know, it's little things like that, and it sounds stupid when we sort of say. We know, I, I know what my nan's trying to say. And she's trying to say a lot of black players play for England now. And they didn't in 1966 when I watched one football game. But That's so, what so, she's trying to say. But, but it sounds really offensive when you say it yeah. like that. And it's, and, the, you know, oh, my oh. nan's not trying to sound it. But it, then when you hear it, it then just jars for literally a whole group of people, doesn't oh, it? Oh, oh, it's like, what, what the issue we get into there is, though, like, it is sort of generational as well because yeah. we've got to be aware that the certain views we have now on certain topics that our children will look at us and be like, fucking hell, dad, you can't say that no more. Or bloody hell, dad, you, you know, you can't, you can't really do that anymore. It's a generational thing. And you do have to make some allowances for that, in my opinion. Luke, what I will say though, this is the point I made about you can bring people along a bit of a journey. You can educate people. The same people who would have been, you know, absolutely rinsing, you know, my nan, you know, back in her day, walking down the street in Wolverhampton for being simply being Asian, you know, will be the same people who, you know, 60, 70 later will be, you know, dancing around with Punjabi wolves, you know, on an away game or something like that. You know, just because, 
they've had the time, the experience to be brought along the journey and understand that. Oh, well, hang on. It's one of them, isn't it? They're all right, actually, kind of thing. Um, you know, well, you know how people say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, some people do need that time and experience just to just to get themselves out of that that mindless ruts that they're in. That yeah, and I think so and so is like this. Yeah, it's not about being racist. It's more ignorant at that point. And yeah. you know, a, a couple of kind of key phrases I did. What must have been about eighteen months ago. Now I did a um, an inclusion in the workplace sort of seminar sort of thing and discussing things around unconscious bias and stuff like that. And, you know, what I guess companies can do and probably to a certain extent football clubs can do in terms of, you know, blind CVs and really sort of simple things, and you know, making sure they're using very neutral language and stuff like that. And it's not about, let's say, someone being racist, but actually just having the active listening skills and say, look, that language isn't right anymore. And here's why I'm not mad at you. I'm not, you know, you're not going to get cancelled because of this, but you, you know, we don't say things like that anymore. And, you know, being able to have the humility from the other side of the table, I guess, um, to be able to say, okay, sorry, won't happen again. You know, it's, it's, you know, there's other aspects from other minority groups that we could touch on to in terms of stuff like that as well but we probably don't have enough time i guess do we but i hope you sort of see what i mean i thought touching but on that everything. um sort of when i mentioned like you, you do have to make allowances is is because some, some i don't even know what to say anymore i remember a couple of years ago i was at work and i described myself as mixed race and somebody was like well, you can't say mixed race no more <laughs> and I thought, why? You said but like, why i said but but I'm mixed race. No, no, you can't say mixed race. You can't. Say, it's dual heritage now. And I just remember standing there thinking, bollocks, dual heritage. I've been calling myself mixed race since I was about eight. I've only just, I've only just about stopped calling myself half caste because you can't bloody say that <laughs> Yeah. But like, if if I, as a mixed race man, don't know how I have to bloody address <laughs> myself, how can I expect? Stu's granddad or Richie's man or mm. Gully's brother to address me in the correct way either. And sometimes I just think people, people try to get, it, it, for me, it is a bit political correctness gone mad. Because if you, Richard, said to somebody else on another podcast, for example, oh yeah, Luke will come on, um, he's a mixed race guy, supports wars, blah, blah, blah. That's not offensive, is it really? This I feel thought, like the... But you say that to the wrong person or in the wrong place, like, oh my God, you've been Richard Hobbs. He called Luke mixed race. He described him as mixed race. You can't. Bloody hell, he's living in the 1990s. What's the matter with him? That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> so, so that's why I do sometimes feel you do have to make allowances because. The terms and conditions change that often. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, look, well, actually, you raised a good point say. about the um, the FA chairman, of course, who had to hand in his res- resignation after doing that complete car crash of an interview where he was using really outdated terms to sort of, I guess, bring it back to football. And he know, offended everyone, though. He, he managed to, yeah. uh, you know, it was a complete, you know, was it women's football as well? I think it was women's. Some, yeah, yeah, he offended women, ethnic minorities. You know, just. A big broad brush, isn't it? I say ethnic minorities. I, uh, 
<laughs> again, I'm sort of stumbled into it, but um, we'll, let, we'll let that one slide. Yeah, like uh, again, I guess uh, apologies, but um, yeah, it it can be quite a tricky one. I guess we'll kind of touch onto language um, as we sort of speak about the incident in the PSG Bashak here game right after this. Hi everyone, Matt from Walls Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com com. They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Welcome back. Um, as I mentioned before the break, the other incident we're going to talk about today was in the PSG Bashir Champions League game where the game ended up being abandoned and postponed after the fourth official um referred to the um, Bashic here assistant manager um sort of um I think mid game just as the black guy um which caused lots of condemnation within firstly the Bashak here team and then the PSG uh, squad you know followed suit really um and it, it, I guess it's sort of been the most high profile game where a game's been abandoned, as far as I'm aware, for an incident like this, particularly from an official as well. Um, and it, it kind of just made me think in terms of, you know, A, how should fans react? But also, I guess, how would you feel as a fan yourself? Sorry, how would players react in both situations um, as a professional in their field, really? Um, and also, how would you feel as a fan? I think with it's been on the brink of this kind of thing happening for a while. I think like the, um, with Toro Mings and the England game, and there was supposed to be uh, limited a number of fans. And then you, they still had that, um, they're a, a, a kind of a play on the UEFA badge, didn't they? That one of the, uh, one of the guys in the, uh, in the crowd had a t-shirt on with that. And then they were doing Nazi salutes and all sorts. And that game could have been abandoned in the same way. That was that for me. That was ten times worse. But for something like this, it needed something like this to happen for things to actually change. Because it's all well and good following everyone like two grand or like two hundred quid or whatever it is in the national currency. But it's going to take something like this to happen for things to actually change. And you think, okay, fine, just all go off and don't come back. Because I think my problem with this one was the fact that it it, it was. In Romania, it was Romania, wasn't it? It was translated oh. as that. And you think, well, if you do, if you're officiating at a game in Europe, surely you know Negro is going to send really fucking bad <laughs> in a European game. You know what it's I mean? Universal, so, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, however, however innocent it was, it's both stupid and naive to even think. Oh yeah, okay, it's that one. I think well, what's because you're disappointed, and you if. It, if they were all white and you said, which one was that? Oh, the bald one or whatever. But he didn't, did he? And he didn't say the bald one, which he could have done. So just point at the one who, who he was saying, said, oh, he needs to sit down. But he said it in such a way and used that word. It was the fact that it was, it was that word as well for me rather than anything else. And it was just stupid that he hadn't been 
although he hadn't been told, which he, why would you have to tell someone? And I don't know, it was just naivety again. But as a fan, I'd fully support it because it needs something needs to change and this kind of stuff needs to stop. Okay. For me, I think it's one of them, one of those, sorry, where there's no right and no wrong, sort of what we touched on earlier, because, yes, it can be construed as he was racist towards, um, it was Pierre Weber, wasn't it? Before yeah, the yeah. Pierre Cameroon Weber. But for me, I believe a lot of racism comes down to context. Was the referee being racist in that situation? Don't believe he was. I think yeah. it's just more a case of miscommunication and a bit unfortunate that the word for black in Romanian is so close to such a racial slur in English. And I mean, I could be wrong. He could have meant it in a racially aggressive or abusive way. But I do think he's. I think it was a bit unfortunate with that incident. Um, but then you've got the argument: could he have addressed him as I the assistant know, manager? The yes, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, it's... which probably would have been easier in the grand scheme of things if he would have just said, "Yeah, it's the assistant, mate. He's got to go." Well, if you, you you put it over here in context, would you add like? Mike Riley sending off Terry Connor on the bench with McCarthy, and he said, "Oh, the black one." That wouldn't happen, would he? No, that's yeah. true. That's totally I think, I think true. that I think that's, that's a, a good really, argument, to be fair, really yeah. good example. Yeah, and I guess it's just you shouldn't be characterised by the colour of your skin. Yeah, um, totally. at the end of it, it's yeah. like if someone said to me, "Oh, we, you know, which one of you is gully?" I just, you know, I could say the one with the beard. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's it's. Quite simple. I'm um, proud of it. To be fair, it's, it's a great beard. Um, <laughs> um, to, to be fair, there's, there's, there are. I'm sorry, there's... Stu. Sorry. <laughs> Just, is... for, for, for the audio <laughs> listeners of this, you got to go. Yeah, I'm really proud. Cheers. And then Stu just sort of so, so stroking. <laughs> just little I goatee. Look at this. Look at this growth. This has took two weeks. All right, oh, is, are, you, are you going for the Dendonka at the moment? Is that is that what it is? Well, not being able to score. Yeah, well, Oi. Married, so yeah. <laughs> to be fair, there's um, there's some serious kind of layers of complexity, and I feel like this incident. It's probably the first time anything like this has ever happened. Really, where it's come from, as in, in terms of an official, and what it is about. Because when I, when you say it's complex, there's a different language you're involving. And how many identifiers do you kind of have as a human being? You've got your name, he's got a job title, and you've got your physical features as well. You know, it, it could, like you say, it could be the bloke with the beard or the bald guy. Or And I'll, I'll, I'll be lying to you if I hadn't said during a football match, turned around to my centre-back partner and said, I'll go and mark the black guy in, in Punjabi, just because, you know, that's a very standard thing for me to have said, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and nothing zero zero malice in, in in any way shape or form in that sense but i think when you have a high profile incident like this it needs to, if that's if we're setting a standard of behavior now that's a good thing i would say mm-hmm. if that's how you want things to go and it's high profile 
fair enough. You know, if we can all now look at that and suggest, have a, have a think about the way we address each other. And the, the, the bottom line for me is in a COVID secure environment in a football match at that level, there is no way that the referee doesn't know the list of coaches, playing staff, or just have it, have it written down somewhere that these are all the people that are going to be on the bench and this is who you're going to be dealing with. There's no way that that's, that's not going to be the case. So there's a bit of a dereliction of duty on his part, probably that he doesn't know who he's referring to. Um, and I think it has been, like you said, it is kind of kind of blown up a bit more because of the actual translation of the, what, what was yeah. actually said, not the translation. Like you said, like you said, Gully, that's, you've said that on football pitches before and you, like you'll turn around to someone like Rich said earlier about your stands are the black one on the pitch, which there's no malice there, but using that word from, um, well, which is yeah. effectively a slave word. So yeah, P- and, and helpfully for me with Punjabi, you know, the words Kala, if if you guys have ever come across that, and it doesn't sound anything like the the word that we're referring to, which in many ways, it might be doing us a favour if I've ever used it before, you know, because people won't necessarily... Um, point it out straight away and and you know the Romanian language is clearly uh, an unfortunate one in that sense but I was going to say again, you would you would think that no he would know he should know what yeah. that that's going to kick off if you use the if you use that kind of word in a English European speaking well Romanian I know it's pretty close but you'd still in a civilized world say that if you say something that sounds like that you're going to be in trouble. Totally. If you're, if, the, if you're the a match thing, official, it's just stupid. The, the thing for me is in a secure environment, like I said, you have to go down, you have to write your frigging name down everywhere these days. Yeah. You're tracking and tracing to hell. So you, you can't tell me that the fourth official has not seen his name somewhere. I think as well, sort of backtrack, backtracking on myself from what I said earlier, following what, what Stu said, um, you'd think that the ref and his officials would have met the managers and assistants pre-game for a chat or whatever so so yeah he, maybe he should maybe he should have known better maybe he should have but then does he need to be hung drawn and quartered on social media for it I, I, I yeah I, I would I would tend to agree with that once to be fair Luke I, I think what we need to take from it is not the fact that this guy is a racist, because I don't think that's the case. Yeah. We we shouldn't be running around saying, holding up um, UEFA as, you know, employing racists and all this kind of stuff. Cause that's not, that's not what's happened here. What we try and do now is set a standard of behavior that we can all kind of get behind and all understand that this is the right way to go about it, that you shouldn't be identifying me as the Indian guy. I mean, just talking about ourselves, I, Obviously, prior to kind of going on YouTube, um, we were solely an audio kind of based podcast. If people don't listen to your introductions at the start of a show, we could be anybody. Yeah, and you know, we we I think I'd like to think, regardless of people knowing the fact that I'm Indian, or regardless of people knowing whether Luke's mixed race and you guys are white sorry <laughs> well, I, I, no, I, I know. did joked, you notice the pause we, i was gonna say we we joked before the show that Stu didn't realize that luke was mixed race 
yeah. um, uh, up until they actually met in person, which does sort of make sense when you say it out loud. But, yeah. you know, after listening to him on the pod for, for years, you know, it, it, it almost didn't make a difference in terms of sort of how you pictured someone. Sorry, good on you. But it shouldn't. And, and that's the thing, it, you know, being an audio feature, it's almost a safer environment because you don't know what we all look like. Yeah. Um, you know, one okay. of us could be massively overweight and, you know, people oh, who hate on, fat, fat people who, you know, would, would would automatically switch off just because, oh, he's, he's, he's clearly not looking after himself or something like that. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's just the way people are. What has been seen here? No, like... <laughs> We know this is aimed at. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, those two, because you're definitely not. Um, <laughs> but the point remains that we should just be able to go into any environment, regardless of what our skin colour is, and be taken on face value for what we're saying, what we're talking about, how we're behaving, and make that the measure of who you are as a human being. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Leave it there, boys. Good yeah. night. Just wrap it up. You say no, <laughs> you you bang on, and I think you're completely right in terms of sort of uh, on multiple levels of that. And we kind of touched upon it in terms of social media before, and that you, it's quite easy to, I was going to say, in in some way hide behind a, an avatar, so to speak. Uh, you know, from I guess a racist point of view, but also from the other side. You know, you. you You've got a, almost your own personal Twitter handle. I know you don't sort of post as much on there, Gully, and you also got your modern new musings, which is where you post, you know, your, your wolves-related thoughts and feelings, I guess. And you know, it. I know it's you who's behind that account. So obviously, when I'm reading those tweets or excellent match analyses, I, I know it's you. Thank you, mate. And oh, it, it, it almost doesn't. I say almost doesn't matter because. It, I always think this about the fancast as well. So I, I, I've done the fancast Twitter for like last five years or whatever. And one of the things me and Dave and um, Dan as well, we've always sort of said is it, we want to make it seem like it's a person because yeah. it can be really hard just to hide behind it. A lot to of be time, honest, it's one of the reasons why we want yeah. to try and do more video stuff because, you know, we, we there want is to make a person sure, behind that. Yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah. you know, <laughs> oh, crikey, years ago, we used to get dogs abuse from different people on the fan you know and like it you can call it a bit of banter or whatever but actually a lot of the time i think you know when it comes to online abuse you, you don't necessarily realize there's another person behind there and yeah. it's even worse when i say that out loud but you're doing that to an account where you know you've literally just got a very average rolling white bloke behind it but when you're doing that to an account where you know that there is a person there. It's a whole other level. Totally, um, totally. You're right, but I, I, I think Gully was behind it. How much abuse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's it. Because you know, I'm assuming people sort of realise that for the past decade, you know, one or more white guys have been admins on this account. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't make a difference, would it? And you know, you'd hope what... so. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I when I first launched the uh, music from Molyneux social stuff i didn't want people to identify me just because i thought well naturally i just wanted to remain everything to remain objective about anything i wrote about i I didn't want people to think um that there was any you know what kind of 
what gives me the right to say anything about football? I just wanted to take it on face value and just make make you my own mind up on what about what I'm saying. Um, it's obviously not necessarily gone down that route, but when you think as an Asian, I've never not felt like football's my sport, despite the fact there aren't really that many role models out there. I've grown up with football. My dad, you know, has been on the turnstiles at, at Molyneux since well, well before born my uncles have been going down to the Molyneux for years and years and that I've never had the feeling that football is not my sport but you don't know if me doing my YouTube videos now people realizing I'm Indian might be people thinking yeah I ain't got a clue what he's on about you don't know that you know and it, it's yeah. there's there's a there's a genuine yeah. you know, it, I couldn't, couldn't, care, couldn't care less to be honest because they're talking sh- out their fucking asses anyway oh. but um Honestly, you made us good. You can, don't forget to uh, <laughs> like, share, and subscribe to the Wolves Fancaster YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a genuine case that it might be that people believe that, and again, hidden behind their their, their laptops. Well, they, they won't even watch based on the idea that Asians shouldn't be a part of football or whatever belief they might hold. But it's it's a real thing. It is a real thing. So you're saying that when you created that account and you started writing mass reports, you deliberately stayed anonymous because you thought you felt that if people knew that you were Indian, it'd have an influence. No, no, I wouldn't say that was the driver. I just wanted it to be an anonymous kind of profile that people just saw and had no preconceived ideas about whatsoever. They just saw a Wolves fan who was writing about Wolves and maybe they agree with me, maybe they didn't. That was it. And that would have been perfectly fine for me. Um, I have subsequently gone on to tell stories about um, within the blogs and stuff about how I came into football and, and what my passion is about Wolves and what that's for and stuff. But and and that's obviously given the game away a little bit. But that's all part of me. That's um, you know that's a, a, a proud thing. That's a pride thing for me, rather than you know something to be held as a negative to hold me back from. You know, I want to be seen as someone who um, you know. Can can do these things. I, I you know I don't want to necessarily be seen as a a more um a more appreciated voice or a less appreciated voice. I just want to be seen as a voice and, and present my own opinions in football, and regardless of like like I say, the fact that I'm Indian. Yeah, and from I guess... a Wolves point of view, from well, from Wolves fans' point of view, there doesn't seem to be any of that shit, as a. No, no, not at all, not at all. And again, probably you know name dropping and plugging with the help of like Punjabi Wolves you know, as, a, as a fan as a fan group who have managed to assimilate themselves into probably one of the most prominent fan fan groups out there as, as Wolves fans and you can't hold you know you can't applaud them enough for the work that they've done to to give us that kind of you know place within the, the fan base and I say I, I, I've always grown up saying I, I'm privileged to grow up in Wolverhampton because of the diversity, because I've got, you know, mates from all kinds of backgrounds and, and, you know, I mean, Luke and I went to the same school. I'm sure he was probably the same in the sense that he had white mates. He probably had Asian mates. You know, it's just the way we are. I don't know if me and Luke would have been mates if we crossed paths, but, um, (laughs) but, um, but it's, it's wrong of me now when I think about it, to think of it as a privilege, it shouldn't be a privilege. It, it should just be the way things are. It should just yeah. Be yeah. And, but, but I, again, knowing about the experiences that some people have in other parts of the country, it feels like a privilege. Yeah. And I mean, the- look, I mean, 
Uh, was it uh, St. Edmund's you went to? St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Oh, what's your mouth with that? Sorry, sir. Seriously. They're so contrasting, aren't they? But look, I mean, I, I grew up in, what, Codsall, so three, four miles down the road, is it? Yeah. And I bet you didn't see your first black person until you were about 23. Honestly, what, one black friend? School it, school it football be, matches the only time. It's like honestly, like <laughs> cow, and like that. You know, thinking back, I remember sort of seeing like a really old school, you know, class photo, and there, I say there was cow, there was Pravesh, and there was Elliot Bennett. In terms of ethnic minorities across, that's a name drop. That is, oh no, was it Elliot? no, oh god, no, it wasn't. I was going to say that sounds. Okay, that's never come up before. Oh no, <laughs> no, oh no, is it? Is it I feel like I'm getting his last name wrong. The one, the one no, it's not, used to play no, for Wolves. It's, it's not the one who used to play for Wolves. I oh, feel God. like I really need to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just naming names. Although he went to, um, I think he, we just, he went to Thomas Stafford, We went to he? school yeah. with Bradford Football, as not No, we are Well, I did go to school with Carl Henry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so yeah. literally, so not that, not that Elliot Bennett, a different one. Um, but, you know, out of 60, out of 60, students and that's probably changed now sort of you know 20 odd years on from when i was in first school but it, it is kind of crazy and me, me and cal um, are still really good mates to this day and we were kind of chatting about um some of these issues around um racism not i guess sort of a lack of diversity in little areas and i mean i've, I've I now live in Shifnal, so I've, I've clearly um kind of moved to much more diverse <laughs> areas in my uh, in my later years but it, it is crazy and i think to be honest kind of looping back but that lack of diversity can be a big barrier for a lot of people in terms of not understanding those different areas and you know my, my wife grew up in swansea and <laughs> she grew up much more within a town and you know we again we've sort of chatted about actually she has a much wider group of friends from different backgrounds to me and you know it, I, I find it fascinating in a way and you know you I'm sure I've seen sort of stuff in terms of you know surveys and those you know white people who live in more diverse areas for example are much more inclusive and you know I guess didn't want to necessarily bring up the Brexit or whatever, but actually tended to throw less of Brexit or more. Sorry, let me phrase that differently. Then we're more in support of um, immigrants and you know people coming from abroad. Um, that's better than saying Brexit. I've, so we'll scratch that out. Um, but actually, we're more in support of actually, I say, migration because of it because actually they understood the benefits that having people in different cultures could bring and you know i think that's vital in society i mean you look at it from the other way as well where mine and luke's kids get to the same school and they play football together after school on on thursdays now and when he, making he, each other yeah exactly yeah. when he when he not made it he said oh you know naming names he said oh, i'm not made football earlier he went Oh really? This one? And I showed him the picture, and he, yeah, yeah, that's him. He said, "You, you know, his dad." I went, yeah, I'm going to tell him now. And then he, he said, <laughs> "So he, 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 he just in his face. He was, <laughs> mean, <laughs> so he, he made this video to send to send to Luke, and not once, not once was any kind of 
skin colour mention whatsoever. It was just, well, well just a kid. I I was having a conversation with my son when England played Bulgaria because I thought he's getting to an age now where I want to see how aware he is of racism. And we was talking about it and he was like, Dad, he said, um, have, has anyone ever been racist to you? And I was like, yeah. And he, the shock on his face, he, his reaction was, really? And I was like, well, yeah, son. Like, when I was growing up, like, people would be racist quite often. Not quite often. I think I've been quite fortunate, to be fair. I haven't. I'm not one of these people who suffered race, well, direct open racism every day. It was quite rare. So I do find myself quite lucky in that sense. And Phil, I was that shocked that I'd suffered racism. But for me, that was an amazing reaction because I said, has mm. anyone ever been nasty to you because of the colour of your skin at your school? And he said, no. And I thought, that's absolutely amazing because that just shows there's the proof that progress is being made. Now, my son's school is predominantly white as well. There's not that many people of various ethnicities that go to that school. Um, so he's, I'd, I'd imagine he'd be at a higher risk of receiving racism. Now, it might change into secondary school. Who knows? But to see that reaction, it, it, it touched my heart because I thought, one, I'm glad my son hasn't had to experience that in the first place. And two, I just think it shows that as a society, as a country, we are making positive steps forward to eradicate the issue of racism. Let's get, let's get one thing clear, though, to be fair. Luke. Nobody's born racist. Oh, no, of course not. Not one of us. Not, not one of us. Of course not. I think that's that, that's what's that's thankfully what's happened now with the generational shift, where you, it's very rare, from from my point of view anyway, it's very rare you'll find someone our kind of age who's like openly racist. I mean, like really, like like Bernard Manning racist, mm-hmm. and so naturally that's just going to trickle down, and it's working clearly. It's working, yeah, which is all a good thing. Yeah, you would. I mean, you, you do. I think, yet yeah, people still are racist. We can't deny it. People still are racist, but they seem to be going more underground, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, fuck them off, bury them there. You know, to be honest, if they're doing it underground, they know it's because it's not socially acceptable. Exactly, absolutely. The problem, and this is the problem, and they know it's not socially acceptable because if we go back to the social media, they'll be racist behind a picture of. A bar of Cadbury's dairy milk, or something <laughs> that comes to my head, but it wouldn't be racist as Andrew Smith from Portsmouth, who works at British Telecom, because he knows it's not right. It'd be sacked, exactly, and that's why they do it hidden. But on the whole, if we are making positive steps forward, then. I suppose because I think if if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, racism will never ever disappear. It will never go. Not in our lifetime. Doesn't matter how hard we try, it's not gonna completely disappear. But if we can make it disappear by one percent year on year on year on year, and then you'll see the bigger changes generationally. And if we can make the world a little less racist for our children growing up. 
then our children make the world a little less racist for their children growing up, then I think that's a positive. It's it is. You're, yeah. You're right, Luke. You are. Um, I think there are complexities to this, though. And I think we're living through one at the moment, which is, and it's it's going it's coming back to politics. And I'm, 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 Rich is probably going to tell me off for, for bringing this up, but we have a government who are kind of championing like the sovereignty of this country, and you know they use all this language around taking back control and closing borders and immigration, and they use this language themselves. It's not stuff that you know is just coming out of you know a hardcore of, of racists that live in this country. It's it's coming from the top, and the only way people seem to be able to celebrate their sovereignty or their patriotism is by rejecting outsiders or um you know bringing it down to you know foreigners or you know you're not um you're not british or you know these kind of things which you know has manifested itself in things like brexit and uh, it might feel like it might have been a banned word on rich's terms but it's it's a real thing that has allowed i think it's it's almost legitimized more going back to the booing of black lives matter that kind of crowd it's 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 given them that kind of rod for their back that says you know what this is how our country's going to be now we're leaving the eu closing our borders all this kind of stuff and i'm not saying either way whether brexit is a good thing or a bad thing i think it's just been taken control of by a group of people who can only see sovereignty and patriotism as a um as an affront to you know outside Whatever they might want to call it. Do you know what would be funny? Do you know every time somebody's racist? And I don't want to just single out white people, but I will for the purpose of this debate, hypothetical debate. Every time somebody is racist and is Britain this British that, I'd love to be able to do a DNA test that goes back. <laughs> or 200, 300 years or so. You know, you're not British, you know. Ancestry, is it? Yeah. Where you come yeah. from, you fucking black bastard, this, that, and your back. Okay, mate, come on. Let's sit down. We'll both do um, our ancestry and, and we'll just have a conversation at the end of it because I think it'd be quite amusing, to be fair, mate, because you might be in for a bit of a shock. <laughs> well, talking about that, the, um, the biggest shock, one of the biggest shocks I had was um, when there was a discussion over Ross Barkley. Because one of his granddads yeah. is mixed race. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. a quarter Nigerian. Yeah. And I thought, because someone, someone had pointed this out to me, there was an Everton-Liverpool thing, this was years ago. I thought, what, really? Yeah. And then someone had brought that up, and I thought, well, the, well there you go. It, it, it's never been a thing until now. I was say, <laughs> one someone's thing, gone back and looked that up. I was going to say, one thing I, um, uh, almost similar to Luke's idea, if someone is actually racist to an individual player, so was it... Um, I can't remember which Europa League game it was now, but wasn't Adama Traoré and Willy Boller, Willy Bolly, um, sort of subject to um, some, some racist abuse? I want to say it was for shit pass. Probably. I, I can't you quite. No, it never happened. Was it? <laughs> never happened. But actually, you know, what my my answer would be actually if you know it's clearly very coordinated and targeted against one person. I'd okay, fair enough. You, you arrest them and you put them in the same room as. Adama Traoré or Willy Bolly? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
Wow. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, to, you know, it, you know, physically assault them. But actually, you know, it, it, you know, you're happy to sort of do it in a crowd. Actually, you know what? Say it, in front, yeah, say it to their faces because, I don't know, I, I, admittedly I've picked out two pretty intimidating guys. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it, it, ain't, it ain't, I was going to say, we could probably talk, um, we could probably talk all night on this. But I, I guess sort of before we wrap up, were there any sort of final, I guess, points anyone kind of wanted to make either around the, um, the, the PSG incident more uh, mainly? I think it's just education more than anything else. And there's certain words that should be universally just, just don't do it. Just it's, it should be obvious by now. When it, yeah. If it's, if it's a genuine mistake, which it seemed to have been. Yeah. The guy shouldn't have said that anyway. It well, he shouldn't have said what it was translated as anyway, but that word and send is so close to what it, what it means over here and everywhere else. Certain it just needs if they need a handbook on how to not be a twat then, then so be if, if this is what it takes and it, they have to be treated like simpletons and they can't behave then let's say can't behave just being just being naive is not an excuse really because if you're a match official for you wafer and you say things like that you've only got yourself to answer for it really so i think we will never let's say never i'll be very very surprised if we ever seen anything like this ever again and if we if we don't, then then that incident was a good thing. Everything has to happen mm-hmm. for a reason, um, and it sparked debate, which is important around these sort of issues, in my opinion, because debate breeds education, and education arises ignorance. So if even if I mean, let's look. Those two incidents happened. We was discussing it in our group chat. And on the back of that now, we're discussing it on a podcast to reach out to more people who who hopefully want to listen and maybe get involved in debate themselves. Um, because obviously we don't know all the answers, so that's why we're open to the debate so we can learn more as well. Um, yeah. So again, so on the back of that, it's created this podcast, which could create another three or four episodes, which if it educates one person if it educates myself then from that incident we can take positives from it yeah just to kind of echo that that sentiment i think this is the whole idea we're doing this is because we think there's something to be said from not necessarily uh the higher ups in the game as well you know people talk about it from you know getting all these um like racism bodies like kick it out and 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 other other that are built around the subject to be the microphone and, and be the mouthpiece for people of, of ethnic minorities. I think there's a space for us as just your average Joes just to talk about it. And, and you know, sometimes I think it might come from a better place when it is just us. We're not pre- pretending to be know-it-alls. Um, we, we're all kind of on a journey ourselves. I, I think, you know, like I said, mentioned previously, there's, there's things I've said on a football pitch that, I'm not necessarily proud of now, but that's all part of the journey that we're all trying to go on. And if anybody can, you know, get in, wants to get in touch with us just to talk about how they feel about things, you know, we're all open to doing that. And hopefully we can make football a better place as a result. Yeah. And yeah. I think well, what you said, I mean, that's, I mean, 
if you look at me and obviously people can and you're more than welcome to if you, if you read me that way <laughs> inclined um <laughs> calendar coming january yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that i'm probably the most stereotypical football fan in england you can think of and i actively put myself out for doing this and i wanted to do this as well as you two guys and obviously richie's hosted so he don't count um but i wanted to do this just because from let's say from our point of view i suppose if you want to boil it down but it's important to everyone not just not just because gully's asian not just because luke's of whatever wants to be (laughs) it's important for everyone not just People, I say, oh, they need to people of colour. Then that could have been one stroke, but you know what I mean. It's it's for everyone. It's not just anyone who suffered from it. And yeah, I mean, let's just put it out there. If you're still listening to this and you have said racist shit in the past, as long as you've learned from that, then fine. Because like we've said before, you might have been brought up in a household where people ain't been tolerant in the past, or it's it's bred down from different strands and different things, and you've had bad experiences or whatever that's influenced you. Then fine but if you've listened this far into this podcast and you you don't have to come out and say on twitter and you don't have to tell us or anything if you if you think okay i shouldn't have said them things then good on you because you at least you've realized what you've done i mean have i said something i'm i'm 37 years old i'm more than likely have done everyone has said something racist nobody on this planet can say they have never said or acted in a way that's been different or negative because of somebody's skin tone exactly. or religion. Everyone's done it. And if any man can stand and look me in the eye and say, I have never, ever, ever said or acted in a racist way, you're a liar. It's as simple as that. You're a liar because everybody's done it, whether they've realised it or not. Um, but I want to say respect to Richard and Stu. Totally, yeah. And the other guys who are going to pop on later episodes because for me and Gully it's easy for us to have this conversation probably harder for you two to have it in fact it's harder for you two to have it but one thing that I want to point out is um, let's not pretend that white people don't suffer racism as well in the UK because they do racism is something that affects everybody, some people more than others, like for example Rich is a white guy brought up in leafy codsel, beautiful part of Wolverhampton <laughs> or Staffordshire, sorry. Um, he probably hasn't experienced racism, but there will be white guys in inner city Birmingham, even in Wolverhampton, London, where they're the minority within their peer group at schools, colleges, workplaces, etc. And they would have experienced racism as well. So let's not pretend that it's it's solely an Asian issue or a mixed race issue or a black issue or an African issue or so it's something that affects everybody in certain in a certain way but sort of from I'm waffling on now but <laughs> to the original point respect to the Caucasian guys because it's a very very sensitive subject no, I, I, I hope so everyone listening has sort of found it insightful um and you know to round it up you, you completely i think we all kind of have said it but it's about the education side of it and that understanding that you know what it it's fine to get it wrong so long as you understand so then if you're able to progress and move on and understand it and 
you know, hopefully this podcast has given just a bit of an insight into it from, you know, we're not experts in, you know, uh, equality, diversity and inclusion. Um, you know, we've not got a HR background or whatever. We are four very just normal Wolves fans. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted to make sure we're having a sensible discussion about it, which I think we have for as much as, you know, four fan castings can have a sensible discussion, to be fair. But, you know, uh, as I said, I hope everyone sort of found this of interest. And, you know, it's been something we've been wanting to do and been really kind of keen to promote. So, and I guess for me, you know, in my opinion, everyone should be able to enjoy um, football, you know, no matter what race you are, gender you are, able-bodied you are, you know, it's it's something that should be accessible and something that everyone should feel comfortable um, accessing, in my opinion. You know, similar to our mental podcast, I was going to say, we are hoping we'll do a couple more of these on maybe more specific topics or incidents if, you know, unfortunately they happen again and, you know, we can hopefully sort of digress a bit more as it were and sort of you know hopefully speak to people i would say more knowledgeable than us but potential thought leaders who work in those sorts of backgrounds will have a bit more of um i guess experience from different levels and different walks of life as well um big thank you to our sponsors of today's show pixel yeti media again as always check them out for your marketing needs pixelyetimedia.com um, make sure you keep up with everything on the fancast socials twitter facebook instagram youtube where you can watch gully do his tactical analysis um as well as fifa greet and post-match reaction shows um and to round up it's goodbye from i'll go goodbye from Stu. love each other everyone it's goodbye from gully good night guys it's goodbye from luke thanks for listening and it's goodbye for me. Have a good day.